Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Three Right Turns. One of the most frequently asked questions I get here on this show is, how can I talk to my conservative friends and family? And I've touched on this before in like a previous feedback episode. It, it comes around from time to time, but it's, it's a big topic. And, you know, I understand because, as I've mentioned many times, a lot of my friends and family are deeply conservative. I come from that place. I come from a deeply conservative place. A lot of them even used to support Trump. Some of them still do. It's painful to feel like you can't have real conversations with people who you care about and love. Like you have to walk on eggshells around them. Sometimes just avoid topics entirely. I mean, that's been the go to strategy, right? Almost our whole lives. You just you're supposed to avoid talking about things like money, politics, religion. But increasingly, it feels like shrinking away from those things at the dinner table family holidays, pushing those conversations into echo chambers and bubbles of social, social media. It's just made things worse. So here we're at this time where we realize that we might have to have these conversations, but also when we have them, we realize, oh God, we're further apart than we've ever been before. Certainly in my lifetime, and maybe we've been living in our own bubbles. Maybe we don't feel like we're very good at articulating why we think the things we think. Maybe we're not very good at defending the things that's we feel or intuit are true. Maybe we don't feel like we're qualified intellectually or in terms of being well-informed enough to have these conversations. And we, we might worry, what if we say the wrong things? What if we make things worse? Well, one of the things I, I want to try to do this year on this podcast is to have more conversations with conservative people. One objection I hear whenever I advocate for people to have these conversations is, you know, I don't, I don't really care to try to win over the quote-unquote torch-wielding Nazis, right? And, and sure, I agree with that, actually. I would not knowingly put on a, this platform a person uh, that would march around uh, talking about blood and soil with a tiki torch, trying to intimidate racial minorities, women. I don't really have the uh, want to have a conversation with a proud boy because, you know, it, it's probably a waste of time. But I think we also need to realize that the vast majority of conservatives in this country, they're not torch wielding Nazis. They're not. They're, they're just not. We, we have too many, way too many fascists and fascist adjacent people in this country for sure. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm fairly alarmed that there's getting to be more than what you can describe as just a handful of these types in high office in this country. But I genuinely believe that there is not a constituency, not not a broad constituency for outright fascism, clan style racism um, in most of the country right now, right now. Now, that could change, especially if, you know, Democrats can't find a way to effectively govern over the next few years. And people don't feel like there's a, a, a hopeful alternative. If we don't find a way to improve the quality and the quantity of our messages, if we don't find a way to combat misinformation and disinformation that's becoming more and more normalized. But, you know, right now, most people only know what's in front of them. They only care about how politics affects them and their family. I feel like the average person that lives somewhere between the poverty line and solid middle to upper middle class knows that life could probably be better for a lot of folk in this country. They might even want to help, not just themselves, but but others, too. They might care about the environment, but feel like any sacrifice they make is just going to be dwarfed by the consumption and greed of the rich and powerful. 
And they're probably right about that. They're afraid of what they might have to give up or worse, what might be taken from them by force. And there's no guarantee that the political leadership is going to make wise use of those resources. Maybe they come from a place of poverty and they've struggled. They've gone through the meat grinder that we've talked about on this podcast. And they come out the other side. They've got a few coins in their pocket, but not enough to really secure their family's future. And now they feel like these people have their hands in their pockets and they're taking those coins. And it makes them feel afraid about the long-term security of what they've got going on, uh, the future of their uh, family and their children. So today's podcast is going to be a conversation with a person I think broadly fits into this category. And I, I hope you find it interesting. But, you know, you might you might find it frustrating, too, especially if you live in a place that's very, very blue and that you don't have conversations um, with people from this type of background. Um, but my strategy going into these kinds of things is to do a lot of listening, because why the hell would you expect anyone to listen to you if you don't give them an honest ear in the first place? I'm going to try to find common ground with them, uh, common experiences, points that we can agree on. And, you know, it helps a lot. I'm, I'm kind of cheating in this regard that I used to be pretty conservative. So usually going in these conversations, I'm going to have a lot of, if nothing else, personal history that we can kind of build on um, points in common that I used to agree with years ago and I've come away from. And the other thing I want to do is I'm not going to um, try to pretend that my side is perfect in both their politics and their policy and messaging, because that's definitely not true. I think we've talked about that a bit on this podcast. And I'm also going to be careful not to jump on the first disagreement that we might have or get bogged down and running every single subject to the ground and pinning them here or there, which might be disappointing to people. But I've said this many times before, before you have a conversation with someone on the other side of any kind of divide, whether it's political, cultural, racial, religious, class, you have to realize you're not going to change their minds this time. All you can ever hope to do, all you can ever hope to do is cause a moment of doubt to give a new perspective, question a belief, basically to begin or, or maybe even help along a, an existing process of them thinking about things differently. And at the end of it, making sure the communication lines are open for further dialogue. I mean, if they're sitting down to have a conversation with you, it means at some level they're willing to go through this process, right? Because else, why would they bother talking? You know, the same way I wouldn't, you know, Proud Boy comes in once the my time on the podcast, I tell them to get fucked. Um, because I just, they're, they're, that, that, that bridge is too far apart. I don't know how to build a bridge, uh, when someone's worked to a point of outright hatred and animosity to the extent you're going to go out to streets and, and kick people's asses. That's a bridge too far, but there's not a lot of proud boys in this country. So that's uh that's a good thing. The other thing is at the end of it, you know, you've, you've, you've started a line of inquiry or maybe you've helped them along at the end of it. Uh, you got to make sure that the communication lines are open for further dialogue. That's why you don't want to wrestle. You don't want to um, you want to scream. You don't want to yell. You don't want this to become like a blood sport. Right. And it helps to keep in mind that they might present a thing or two that you need to chew on or reflect on, which means sometimes you need to learn how to say, you know, I, I don't know. Or you've given me a lot to think about, or I'll have to read up on that and get back to you. Now, this isn't a one size fits all kind of thing. It's, it's just a framework. And I, I don't claim it's going to work on everybody. And it requires people to be reasonable and have good faith on both sides. One of the reasons I suggest that before you try to have a difficult conversation with someone, make sure that there's actually a relationship there, that there's a fundamental 
solid relationship to, to have that conversation on. Because, you know, if you're if you're estranged from a friend or a relative, talking politics is not going to build that bridge, right? You got to build the bridge first. Then you can hear out what they have to say. Then maybe you can get a point or two in on them. So joining me is a guy named BJ from South Carolina. He approached me first on Twitter late last year and said that he kind of felt lost because just two years ago, he's a big time Trump supporter. Uh, he's been involved in politics all of his life, but he's disillusioned with the way things went the last few years, but still skeptical that the Democrats can do any better. So I said, hey, you know, come on and talk about it. And he did. So I'd like to give him a commendation for for reaching out, maybe out of his comfort zone and and talking to me. Uh and uh, I want to get to know BJ, listen to what he has going on, uh, what's he's hoping to get, what he was hoping to get out of an outsider like Trump, see if we can suss out what his hopes and fears for the future can be, and see if we can't find a way to, to see eye to eye. So let's get straight to it. I guess uh, we'll, we'll start the conversation. What I like to do is, is you, you've listened to several Swizzbold podcasts, uh, Three Right Turns. I like to, you know let the audience and myself kind of know about your background because i've shared a lot about my background and how my perspectives have kind of informed of my my present understanding and my future hopes uh so bj let me welcome you to the podcast and let you introduce yourself to the audience like you know where are you from what's your age location you know anything that you find uh, uh education level any, anything you might uh, uh think would inform people about yourself all right. So um, I'm 46. I currently live in Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is just a little bit south of Charlotte, almost like the uh, Kentucky, you know, Cincinnati thing. I can live on either side. You work in both places. So it's sure. it's viewed as Charlotte, but I live in um, I live in um, South Carolina. Um, so I originally grew up in Buffalo, New York, uh, just outside of Niagara yeah. Falls. Cool. Um, my father was a chemist. My mom taught fourth grade. Blue collar. My dad worked in a factory his whole career. Uh, my mom worked for the school district. Uh, my entire family was always involved. We always had like a cousin or a guy who was like a, involved in politics. Um, so therefore, we were always involved. We were canvassing. We were always doing something for the party or for for, for whatever. My grandparents always worked. You know, you you went to the polling site. It was always like my grandmother, and my aunt were always working the polls. Not a big town, but you know, small. Um. I went to, I have some college, I, I, I got into doing mortgage work. Once I got into mortgage work, I, I didn't, I was making so much money, college didn't make a lot of sense. In North, in uh, New York, college is extremely expensive. Four credit hours was like fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 just to go to state Damn. school. So it just, it got not affordable to me and um, but I was doing well. Uh, I worked for Bank of America in New York and I found out that they paid better in North Carolina. And uh, and honestly, Hillary Clinton got uh, elected as a senator. And I said, if she gets elected, I'm moving. Kind of like to be <laughs> funny. But when uh -huh. she got elected, I was like, I'm moving. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went to New North York. Carolina. Yeah. Um, and, and I came to you know, the, the, the land of you know, cheap housing and everything else and no taxes. And I was, my, my, one of the things I moved to New York, my, I had a, a $80,000 house. My mortgage payment was less than my taxes and my insurance in my house. So wow. it was like this, like, how do you ever get ahead? Like, how do you ever get ahead? Um, so I moved to the North Carolina and worked around different banking industries. And I've been doing that for years. While I was here, I tripped over an opportunity to work for the Board of Elections, you know, on the side. Being one of those people who work poll books and everybody always calls them volunteers. They're not, they're paid. 
Um, in North Carolina, they're paid handsomely. Well, not handsomely, but they're paid. Um, and I rose to the ranks to finally end up being a chief judge for Mecklenburg County, which You're I just a judge? gave up. Uh, a, a, an election judge, which in this current oh, okay, okay, in this current scenario, kind of cool because I had an idea of exactly what I was on the inside with. How do we plan on dealing with these votes? What are we doing with mailaways? We've never done them this way. This is a volume we don't have a capacity for. I worked with um, the runners. I worked with the people who are the observers. You know, how are you allowed to observe this vote or this count or deleting votes or deleting counts? So I was on site for polling for uh, the second Obama election. Um, And again, every election and for the last 12 years, I was a chief judge. I ran several precincts and made sure that everything ran smooth. There was no fraud, signed off on all the results. So that for a long time. Um, and you just, uh, with, with this background, uh, when you're talking about your family's involvement in party politics and stuff, are, are we, we talking about the Republican Party, Democrat Party, a third party? What? It's it, it, interesting. Um, the people that we were helping out were all Democrats. It was a Democratic city. Everybody was a Democrat. But my that family, especially in, in, in a lot of labor oriented backgrounds, you know, Democrats, you know, still right, my, up until recently getting very strong in those areas. Yeah, bo- both in unions, the unions mm-hmm. are really strong. But ironically, right. both my parents were Republicans. In fact, most of my family was uh, Republican. Yeah. So I grew up just like you. And I think the, the initial thing where like I resonate with you is I was Tom Clinton. Me and my dad read every Hunt for Red October, the sum of all sure. fears. We were the Tom Clancy, like, you know, that was our life, you know, and. and all in. I mean, I was all in on that mindset. I mean, I, I voted for Ross Perot. I did vote for Ross Perot in 1990. My first ever chance is I'm, I'm voting for Ross Perot. He's better. I caused that uh, apparently single-handedly. And um, and then after that, I never didn't vote for a Republican. In fact, I never in New York voted for anybody who was ever elected because everybody was Democrats. Democrats always won. So anybody I chose never won. Mm. Um until I moved to uh, George Pataki, George Pataki did win. Um, but that was a, a rare, a rare instance. And he was actually when Cuomo left uh, first Cuomo won left. That was why. But anyway, um, so I've always been Republican. I love being a Republican, proud of being a Republican. I was a Republican judge. That's how I started with the election stuff. Um, but man, I, I don't know. I, I, and, I, and I think this is sort of how I started talking to you. At some point, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I don't. I don't want to, I, I don't feel I'm as far over as your shift, but I'm not as far. I'm not saying my mom and dad with their Facebook posts. I mean, anybody over the age of 70, I love them. They just, just repost and repost stuff. And it's like insane. The stuff they post. I'm like, you don't think any of this through there's other people involved. And I don't know if I've gotten more compassionate or I just don't see it, or I don't really believe I'm really the middle class at times. Mm. But I, you know, I, I went from being a diehard Trump do or die four years ago to, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't like anybody and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And it's, it just, it just got no point for me where it's like, I don't feel anything, anything or anybody represents me anymore. And it just, it's, I think that's what I said to you. And I originally sent you that message was, I feel lost. Like I really feel, I feel truly lost compared to where I felt all the other years of voting. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, I don't know if this, you identify with this, but like, I don't really feel like I've changed as a person in like 30 years. Like I've definitely, you know, obviously I've gone through some profound religious beliefs and stuff, but like who I am as a person who I looked up to for my heroes, 
Um, like I still like I if I read a Tom Clancy book, I can get into that Jack Ryan mindset where me too. But but like I what I feel has changed is like it seems like the country itself is like you know Overton window t- is all kind of shifted to the right to where um, I feel like Jack Ryan in the 80s was seen as this like conservative wet dream kind of like wank Mary Sue character but he reads like a conservative democrat like Jack Ryan yeah. is Joe Manchin maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit more liberal in social yeah. values because like Jack Ryan part of his arc is he kind of like realized you know gay people aren't that bad and you know I don't like abortion but you know gosh I don't really want to judge women that are put in those positions and like you know, they, well, his, he, his, his wife was a doctor. I mean, they had, I mean, very intelligent, of, strong woman. Right. Um, and I think this, I think it was a sum of all fears where, where, where both house and Senate were destroyed and he had to come mm-hmm. in. And I, and I viewed my, my Donald Trump arc follows that. And, and I mean, I, I hate to put it up to Tom Clancy or the guy who wrote for Tom Clancy. Um, <laughs> right. Right. But like, I hate to, to match it that, but like, I really, when I voted for him, was voting for a guy who was going to put a, a true economist in charge of the economy or a true banker in charge of banking. Or like, like I really thought that the clear, the swamp thing for me was, no, I'm going to put this general in who he's just going to do general things. I'm going to put this person who's just going to do this. And I re- that was, I thought he was going to do that clean house and get rid of the politicians and put business people in. And then he didn't. And then he put like like V Ross, and he started putting like Mad Dog in, and and then, and, then, and, then, and towards the end, like bringing that like Rudy Giuliani looks like a lunatic. I mean, mm-hmm. who I also voted for, you know, in the primary at four, five years ago. You know, I, I thought Rudy Giuliani was going to be a good president based on what he did in New York City. He was a great New York City mayor. And then you look and you go, these people are crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I really I saw that 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 some of all fears of hey, we can reinvent all of this put all different all different people in place right now that never did it before and that didn't happen and i think that was where i was like oh you're 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 kind of a liar too um mm-hmm. and that that and then again i think we all feel the same thing and, and i know that you're like you really support joe biden i still understand how we can't find a person who's 46 who wants to run for president like it, it, it like how, how do you not know like you like when you watch those Senate hearings on like Facebook, like they are lost, like mm-hmm. lost. Like how can, and, and now, and now they're able to apparently just ban our, our leaders on social media, which is really, that's insane too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, so I struggle with the, the age. I struggled. There's a disconnect. I was really hoping, like I said, that, that Tom Clancy kind of guy was going to come in and you're right. He was a little bit of both. He had the empathy. And, and, and I thought he was going to come in and say, no, we're going to do this and do this. And the stock market's going to go up and gas is going to go down. And we're going to work trade the way trade's supposed to be worked. And, and it's not going to be lopsided. And when you, um, you, you, you champion this, thank God he's gone. I always pause and go, you know, he did really put a stop to a couple of really weird things that did benefit us. Um, a comedy of errors at times, but there were some things he did that helped us that that Joe Biden's going to keep doing, but there were some good things in there, but it's, I wish he just would have shut up. I wish he would have never tweeted once. And I think that, I think people would have ended up kind of liking him. That was, well, that's was, the promise. Like, was, I, I feel like you're saying you wish Donald Trump wasn't Donald Trump. And I even admit, like, I, yeah. I try to keep an open mind. Like, I don't know if you, uh, if you're a club member, but when I, when I, the first 
lunch after he got elected, I think I said words along the lines of, you know, Don, Donald Trump has said, I think, some crazy things this election cycle. I really hope he said what he thought he had to do to get elected to kind of a crazy Republican Party. And I hope that he kind of governs like, you know, like you said, hires good people, uh, stocks his cabinet full of good people, um, has outsider perspective. Um, and kind of like, you know, shifts to the center. A lot of people do, you know, they run like Barack Obama kind of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, ran on hope and change and a pretty liberal agenda and then ended up kind of governing center, you know, more towards the center. And I thought like, you know, maybe it wouldn't be as bad as I was, as I was fearing. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, we got to the situation last week where we got people storming the Capitol just based on bullshit. And and that's well, what like yeah. what, what what really hurts me from like the Tom Clancy days is like I used to feel like that Republicans, you know, like back in the day, like maybe you can make an argument like is is climate change real? Is people causing it like if, if there's questions be asked and ask the questions. But increasingly, I learned that like it felt like. The party that I was attached to was just kind of making stuff up and engaging in disinformation and I, i'm not saying that the, the democrats never do that too but it just seemed like it got harder and harder for me to because I, I used to, you know like I, I went through a similar path in politi- politics that i did in religion like i stopped being a jehovah's witness and i didn't immediately become an atheist i was kind of like a generic christian and then right. i was kind of like a deist and then i was kind of spiritual and then I was kind of back not and I kind of like slowly kind of like, you know, and, and I kind of went the same with politics where it's like I was a conservative. I was Republican and then I was a conservative and then I was I called I styled myself as a radical centrist for a long time uh, that like it's not that I don't fervently believe the things I believe. It's just like, you know, I'm 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 pro-choice. And I'm kind of pro environment, but I'm also like, I think that, you know, there's a finite amount of resources and money in the world and you can't just like take everybody's and divvy it up and, and, and have the world, you know, fiscally conservative and stuff like that. Um, but like increasingly, I felt like that the Republican Party just became more and more detached from reality, you know, that like they stopped trying to figure out like they just relied on guns and abortion to rally people and saying that climate change is a hoax and anything that ain't like is a hoax and then the fucking fake news thing is just what that like felt like it was the death knell for rationality and then four years later you've got a third of the republican uh, delegation in the house maybe a half of it like openly just wanting to and fairly cynically just wanting to throw away uh, uh people's votes and you know 10 to 12 people in the senate doing the same and that's just shocking to me like i I would have bet a huge amount of money four years ago that if we were placed in that situation, that you might have four or five crazy Republicans in Congress that would go along with something like that. But the vast majority would be like, no, I, I, I swore an oath The the Tom Clancy shit, you know, like the, you know, yeah. how dare you, Mr. President, do you know, like to stand up to, you know, for what's right, protect their own power, if nothing else. But they did not do that. And uh, that that continues to bother me because we do need in our two party system. I'd like to change that, obviously, with the right. ranked choice voting and all that stuff. But in our two party system, you need a loyal you need you need loyal opposition. You know, uh, you don't want any side to just kind of run the table, I don't think. And I feel like that we just aren't we're not having that. We've got the Democrats that kind of try to do things and are arguably been more fiscally conservative than the Republicans in the last you know, 15, 20 years. And then Republicans who just when they're in power, do whatever they want, spend as much money as they want, 
Um, don't worry about it. And then as soon as the Democrats get in power, it's oh, we can't afford anything and we can't. And just like it's like you, you look at some of the stuff that Tom, like Ted Cruz has said. Yeah. Um, you know, he accuses Barack Obama of getting cops killed because Barack Obama tried to talk openly about race in this country. And yet he wants to take zero responsibility for any of the things that's happened in the last week. You know, when he because I, I will say this, that if I was Republican, and I thought that the, the election was being stolen. That's kind of go time, right? Like if, if, if you're going to if, if you're going to undo millions of people's votes or something like that, or if you think that you've you, the other party has injected millions of votes and changed. Uh, undemocratically elected somebody, then you're living in a fa- you're di- a dictatorship, and you got to do something about it. The problem is just well, that that's, as far as I can tell, complete bullshit. And, and I just I think that there's there's another side of this, and I think it's a real important side that never existed before. Now, and, and I mean, if you if you do start doing the history lessons, you know, up until fireside chats and stuff. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of interaction with presidents. There wasn't a lot of interaction with any of our elected officials, to tell you the truth. In this 24-hour, 36-different news channel thing, it does, it slants a lot of people's views. And I mean, my parents are a good example. And if you know people who go from the other side, it's even Stephen. My parents wake up and they watch Fox News for 36 straight hours. I mean, it's all, if you, every room has it on, playing Fox News alerts, they stop what they're doing. Um, they believe Tucker Carlson, what he says is true. And they hate Juan Williams because he's the, like, and they don't understand that it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a made for TV show that's there to make them buy Depends undergarments or whatever they're advertising on that channel during the day. And they believe it hook, line and sinker. They believe everything on social media, hook, line and sinker. And they don't understand, like they only see one side. And that's the other problem with this. Like, even if you had a a truly open set of, or you know, I, you know, Joe Rogan says it every now and then. I know you're not a huge fan, but this like one point one minute time slot response to um, debates is foolish. It's just mm-hmm. it's just clips. You know, it doesn't work. Right. And I, I think that's a huge piece of this. We have become so focused on the media side, which is entertainment. It's entertainment TV. It's there for, it's not there to, it's not news. It's not Walter Cronkite saying, here's the news. I researched all this stuff. Here's what I found. It is, what do we do that we can put on that's going to get the most people to watch us tonight at eight o'clock and beat Bill O'Reilly? Or what are we going to put most on that's going to have us beat this other guy? Like, and that's the thing. And these people really, they really believe it. They don't look at Twitter. They don't dig into an article. They don't fact check anything that they post. It's just whatever it is is real is real. And, and like we had, we, we clearly had this Russian influence. Like, like going back four years ago, there's a Russian influence. The truth is, is I think the Russians were just happy to influence. I don't even think they really cared who would win or lose. They just wanted to, they wanted to just to, to muddy the waters. No, it does. There's actually a, the last- there's actually a Russian outline for like how to kind of destabilize the West. And it is to like take part- existing partisan divides and inflame them because you know, if we're if we're busy fighting ourselves, we can't, you know, be looking into what they're doing because they're wanting, you know, like Russia and China are very much wanting to kind of have their own imperial colonial ambitions. They're wanting to flex their power. They're wanting to get, you know, build build, build bases and make money. And if we're there kind of like checking them and kind of then then they don't like that. Whereas if we're consumed in what's going on in our own borders and kind of withdrawing from from uh 
foreign influence uh that suits their purposes so i agree i don't think that i don't think that vladimir putin was trying to elect donald trump although i guess if you you know, I, I, I kind of believe at this point that like between Hillary and Donald Trump, that Hillary would probably be the less corrupt politician after the last four years or at least nakedly corrupt politician. But but yeah, they they definitely and, and boy, they must. I, I can't imagine how much glee that the the especially the last few weeks like, you know, this this isn't just me saying this, but like the stuff that we saw in the Capitol is going to be run on propaganda all around the world. Oh, oh. By showing, like, I look at li- look at liberal democracy. Look at what they, you know, we have stability. We have this. We have that. And look at what they've got. This is what. That's just it plays into their hands. Um, and so yeah. I made the joke that right now there's a guy in the Taliban on final written warning because his boss said, "Wait a minute, we could have walked in there the whole time. What what research did you do? Like like right. look, you know you." Look, if you do this again, we're going to have to you know, fire you. you, you to be fair, the Muslim guy would have to A, be white, you know, like it, it helps out a lot to have the right skin tone and kind of like, but, but yeah, that's like it. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see when this thing all gets investigated because like, I don't know how much the, I don't know how far the corruption went, whether like it was just kind of like, um, well, you know, our people don't, because that was like the mindset of Republicans. Like we don't riot. We don't be violent. We are, you know, we're in contrast to the Black Lives Matters protesters. We don't tear shit up. We have jobs. We have that. But we learned that, like, you know, honestly, um, people can get whipped up into to, to frenzies really quickly. And so so I don't know whether, like, the Capitol Police were unprepared because they just didn't think that they were going to be meeting with that or whether it was a little bit more sinister and, like, they... The, the Trump tr- team was wanting to see some some violence and was hoping to have that or influence was, our political. Or was the Democratic side wanting to see that violence so they can go see now we can like it. Like, again, I, I how would the, 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 the Democrats though like just just to back off on that like the Democrats don't have control over the capital security you know like that's executive executive well, again, branch right. That was the, I'm not even sure. Well, so this, I don't even know enough about it. And I told you I wouldn't get into conspiracy things, but it was the weirdest thing to watch. Like you're watching. No, it, you're I, going, it's surreal. Why are these guys, why are these guys climbing up the wall? Like Spider-Man, meanwhile, everybody like next to him was like going up the stairs right next to it. Like, or like, I was under the impression that like, like the, like to, to get into like, like the congressional area, like doors with vaults, like in war games must have closed. You can't like, like you could house like, like a safe house, 700 people in that room. I didn't realize that we could just walk in. Or like, I think the thing was September 11th, we were always in the impression that there were like guys with rocket launchers on the roof. Like where'd those guys go? Were they adequate? like the, the expectation? It was the weirdest thing to watch. And that's what it like. Somebody did something weird there, and you see the videos where the cops are like, "Go on, go this mm-hmm. way," or or they or they stayed between the velvet ropes, like, right, "Hey, Steve, knock the yeah. velvet rope down." <laughs> like, yeah. it was the weirdest thing to watch. Um, yeah. and, and again, I I, I don't understand anything that happened, but at the end of the day, it did. I mean, and it, I think again with the media, like when Kavanaugh, when the people didn't want Kavanaugh to 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 come in. Um, they went into the state house, the state Senate building. Then they had those guys were in lockdown and they stood in the rotunda and it, it was not much different. It, it happened. It, it's part of being in this sort of democracy. It happened in the 1960s. Um, when, um, when, um, Dr. King was assassinated for four days, they, they stormed the Capitol and stood around in the front porch. I mean, 
it's what we kind of do as Americans. Um, it, I think it's. it's amazing. Amazing. I, I will push back. Four it was. Later, it was different. It up and, they, and they were in. Yeah, it was. It was different. There weren't. There weren't people with like flexi cuffs and sidearms roving the cab. Like you know, there wasn't a last stand between the Secret Service and people trying to get at like active Congress people trying to be evacuated. Like this is pretty. You know, I, like I said, it was it was just but no, really you, you, odd. And, and there needs to be an investigation. I think that like, you know, uh, and it, it, I tell you another thing that's odd. I can't remember a thing like this. that's happened and there hasn't been like, you know, no congressperson has been briefed by any member of the executive branch about what happened. There's been no like, you know, like it, it's very odd. And like I said, it, it, it definitely needs to be investigated and, and things uh, be figured out. But like. I do notice that like you, you are. um I, I think you might still be in the kind of the both sides equivalency because um, like we, you can draw some similarities between like Kavanaugh protests, black lives matter protests, go back into, um, you know, civil rights protests. But like this thing here where you've got, um, I, I mean, I, t- I don't understand the, the, the rotten Republican party that allows that, that makes it think it's okay that you can carry like conservative flags, you know, like that to me, I think I think the conservatives need to do a lot and the Republicans need to do a lot, but they need to really we need to close the door on that shit like a hundred years ago. Like this, this, this daughters of the this, this, the daughters of the Confederacy whitewashing this, this history and allow people to like you be fooled that this was some kind of lost cause bullshit. And there was, uh, you know, this is all about heritage, not hate. We just need to stop that because like. It's it's this this stuff like every time I go across the Mason fucking Dixie line, I feel like I've entered into a new another goddamn country where I've got football field size flags of the Confederacy flying on 300 foot tall. Like you've seen it like you go you go to Florida, you go to Georgia and on the street. (laughs) Yeah, like that. That shit. That shit's insane. And it needs it needs to go like uh like i'm very pro destruction of confederate monuments i'm very pro destruction of confederate flags like this this is america we fought a war people died on both sides we won this is this is ridiculous we don't we don't allow you know uh like not in a scary way i'm trying to think of like imagine if you entered in some of like the um areas that have a lot of japanese americans in like uh seattle and california and there's this giant fucking rising sun you know Boy. That would well, mean it, it, something, yeah. and it wouldn't mean that oh. we're proud to be Japanese Americans. It would mean be careful; we're going to rise up again. That's insane. Why we allow that attitude to to continue well, to fester? Thing, there's a whole thing with World War Two. I mean, it was it's Hitler just hanging on, hanging on to that loss, hanging on to that. You know, we shouldn't have lost. We shouldn't have went in, and and, and riling everybody up about that one loss. And you know, it, it, you're right, but it is weird. I mean, I moved here from New York, and when I moved here, it was very different. Like. The difference between African Americans and white people is very, very different than how it was in, in New York. I, I didn't mm-hmm. see the race the same way when I got here. It was like, oh, you don't understand. This is more of a black community, and, and it's like, this is a what? Like, uh, mm-hmm. what? What am I? What am I missing? I'm not from here. Is it that big a deal? And it is, and it's you know, it's it's and weird. It's, I mean, it's getting worse because like I didn't when I was growing up, it was very rare to see a Confederate flag flying in Indiana, Ohio michigan uh probably buffalo new york and now not only that but you see confederate flags flying in canada like it's like it's become uh you know uh it's it's a second rate you know swastika at this point 
But um, it's sell, you know, for for them, it's sell. I want to say it's sell. Just like anything else, you know, you can you can it, it, it gets people talking. It gets people to, and I think that's how they're using. We we it charges somebody up, and and I think that's how it's used. I'm going to get you riled up, and you see it going up the front steps, and you see it going into the into the uh-huh. Capitol and all that, and you're like. Wow, this is here. It is. It's back. They they have re risen. They are back. I mean, and that's what they did. They they gave that visual aid of them rising back up and and taking over. And that's that's you know that. But that did they want? Did, did, did they want? Shirt. Did that's they weird. want Sherman to march to the sea again? Because like that's where this leads. Like they got their asses whipped the first time, and the same social political conditions that ensured the South would would lose are still in effect. And and honestly, I don't know if you find my argument persuasive that one of the big problems in our country is we never really, really fixed the underlying issues of the of, of the Civil War. Like we won. We started to do a reconstruction project. We started to rebuild the South's uh, capacity. We started to kind of like re- just in the same way remade Germany and Japan kind of in our more uh, uh, an image that we could could live with. You know, we, we deprogrammed these people like your emperor is not a god. We are writing your constitution. You can't have a standing army. Like we did that for like five to 10 years. And then, you know, because the North started having their own problems with racism and got distracted and economic, we kind of took our eye on the ball and we let the South kind of do whatever the hell they wanted to up until the civil rights uh, era. And then they started, and then they started putting up the, the civil war, they started putting up the Civil War monument as a reminder, as a reminder, yeah. not not as a like the hey, don't forget what we can do. Like it, it was it weird. And it was a weird thing to do, but again, I think what we're seeing, and we're seeing it now in like different places, is the voting people. The reason why North Carolina went uh, didn't go for Trump, and the reason why Georgia had the switches. All these people moving from New Jersey and Delaware and New York and Boston, they're moving here. And they're voting the same way they've always voted. And I think that's where that shift comes in. The people who live all around me, the guy across the street is a Sabres flag. The guy next to him is a Flyers flag. The guy next to like, everybody's got a flag for, the, for their local hockey team. No one's from here. No mm-hmm. one's from here. And as these people backfill, you're going to see these states become more blue states across the board because blue state people are moving here. And they're still mm-hmm. keeping the same morals. And again, that's the South Carolina State House. If everybody here is from from Buffalo, you know they're not going to probably vote when it comes to the pass. You know, do we want to keep this flag in our state house? They're going to go, no, we didn't have it right. ours. Why would we have it on our? You know. So I think you're seeing that as we we assimilate these more and more northers in the South, or I think you're going to see it in Texas. You know, with all the people from from California who feel that this COVID thing has kept them down, they're all moving to Texas and Utah. Well, that's going to become a blue state then because that's who's moving there. People who want to vote for that type of stuff. And I think that's what you're going to see. I would think you know, that that civil war, that that, that, that the flags and, 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 you know, Robert E. Lee Street and Stonewall Road and all that, like slowly go away because it's, those it's are the people the, here. It's not just the, like I'm not talking specific, specifically the cultural things because one of the reasons that, uh, you know, it's sad. It's sad that like consistently the poorest in terms of just economics, in terms of education, in terms of increasingly health, like, you know, the the uh, the life expectancy of a southerner is measurably lower than someone that lives on like a coast. Uh, it, it's that these the these states are like always at the bottom of these various indexes. Um, oh, my my kid's school is the second back, to worst. 
in the country. You know, so North, South Carolina is like 47th out of, out of 50. And it's, right. so, yeah, we see it. And as come from New York, it's like, is this what you're learning? Or I talked to my peers. The funny thing is if I talked to like a 40 year old and go, here's what I learned in high school. And they go, Oh, we took algebra one. I'm like, well, we were taking like pre-calculus in high school. I'm like, yeah, we took algebra one. I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, so 30 years ago, you were already at a disadvantage. I was like that. And that was, that was public schools 30 years ago here. They, affluent people had didn't have that education i don't think south carolina has given out more than like 20 of those covid antivenoms yet they they haven't been giving them out like so they're like behind there it it is weird right yeah i call it anti-venom because it's funny but um, but they're they're running behind on that as well because they just they don't the the, the process here is 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 set up that way It, it is weird to see so as a former, I guess, or as a current conservative Republican yourself, like you obviously, I think you see problems with the party, uh, maybe not as many as I do, um, but you're hesitant to, uh, you know, support the Democrats, I can tell. What are your big sticking points? Like, you know, because we got like, you know, 20, 30 minutes left in the conversation. What, let's, let's get to the meat. Like, what are your like top issue or two? Like, what keeps you from just switching over to the Democrats, you know? Um, or at least uh, so voting, or at least the, caucusing with them if you don't want to be a Democrat. Uh, I think the biggest ones for me is where does this money really come from? I think you spoke about you know, the free college or let's cancel, um, let's cancel out these uh, uh, college debts or like the money. It's the money. The money mm-hmm. doesn't come from somewhere. We do still have to protect our border. So I, I, I do mm-hmm. believe that we have to have a military. And I think the military has a lot of benefits. There's the GI Bill. There's a lot of stuff that comes from the military. Sure. Um, so I think we still have to do that. So when I hear Joe Biden say, well, we're going to cancel all these student debts or we're going to have free health care, I think it's great. I, I come from the idea of if, I hate getting a prescription because every time I go, it's a different price. Like if I go two months in a row, it's a different price somehow. I don't know how that happened. I hate mm-hmm. how much I pay in health insurance. I hate that I negotiate. Well, I was a, my big one, my Obamacare one is I negotiated once at a health insurance. And then when Affordable Care Act came in, my insurance went to the roof, which impacted my actual salary because it changed how much I had sure. to put in so much. So our so insurance had, was for Bold like Move a- just went up $800 a month. We have six people on it i'm the oldest at 44 we're all in excellent health like what the fuck you know we haven't like made like big significant changes in our in our healthcare spending it just went up 800 dollars a month um i guess my big my my big argument on this stuff is where does the money come from i can't tell you exactly i do think that we spend too much on the military i do think that like you know what are we spending like seven to eight hundred billion dollars a year do we need to like we already have you know our military is like 50 years in the future compared to any other military like we can clean the clock do we need to keep our pedal to the metal on that stuff and and maybe an r and d but do we need to have you know like i I went through this in one of the very first three right turns like we have you know, the, the biggest the biggest Air Force in the United States or in the world is the U.S. Air Force. The second biggest is the Navy. The third I, biggest I, is the Marines. I quote that all the, the time. <laughs> the fourth biggest is the State Department. Like right. what? You know, we have, you know, we we have the largest number of carriers at like 12. The next uh, country down is like two. And they're not anything like the carriers that we've got. So we've got this thing like it's like a World War One buildup with battleships and all this stuff, except for it's unilateral. Like, we're the only ones kind of doing it. We're not keeping up with the Soviets anymore. 
So like, I do think that we can vastly uh, step back, but the, the big thing is like, do you understand the, how do you understand the United States's uh, budget? Do you think that like, it's like a household where it's like, you know, if you have a hundred dollars to spend, do you only have, uh, you have a hundred dollars in your pocket, you only have a hundred dollars to spend. Or do you think the U S government's kind of like a company that can borrow to invest? I think they do a lot of borrowing to invest. I think that they, they do a lot of, I'm going to push this off to the, we saw that a lot with like Clinton and we saw it with, uh, with W we, and now we see it with Trump, you know, we're just going to slide, we're going to, we're going to write this check and they're going to deal with it. And then when they deal with it, it'll get better or worse. And it, I see it just, it's a sliding scale. I would like uh, the conservative part of me says, you got a hundred dollars, spend a hundred dollars, figure out where the best use of your hundred dollars is. But I know that's not what we do. Um, and I know it weakens us when we don't do that. I think it puts us at a disadvantage when we don't do that. Yeah, Cause I, I just, um, cause I know, I, I know a lot of the audience, like a lot of people are not very understanding about like, especially, um, economies at like the nation state level. But like, um, for example, if you have a corporation, you don't want a corporation, like if they have a thousand dollars profit, you don't want a corporation spending $900 of that. If you're a corporation, ideally you would spend $1,100. And that other hundred dollars if you that you borrow is not bad if you use that hundred dollars to make a hundred and fifty. Okay. Right. So you invest in a new factory floor, you invest in automation, and that costs money. It might cost a hundred million dollars to, you know, put um, automation into a factory plant, but then you're going to use that hundred million to make two hundred million dollars. That's still good. The United States government is similar in a way that like with our uh you know, the fiat currency allows us to just print money. And as long as yeah. we invest those in things that return more dollars, then we are going to see our GDP rise. And like, you know, it, it's like I, and I do think that there is a danger with the national debt getting too large. If it gets to be too big in proportion to the GDP, you can have a collapse. But, you know, I'm big on following expert opinion on three right turns. It's very hard to find an economist that says we're anywhere near collapsing the economy because of our debt. That's a very popular conservative talking point because they rely on working class people knowing I got $100 in my pocket. If I borrow 110, that's going to rent up my credit card. I can't make more money. But, you know, if you can print your own see, money, you could do that. So, But we also see home interest rates at you know, on a 30 year loan at, at 2.3, uh, you know, at 1%. So, I mean, rates are good if you want it as a, as a regular and that's, American. That's, that, and that's kind of scary because interest rates are how the Fed used to control the economy. And for the last 10 years, 15 years, uh, we've had those, the, the things that we use to boost the economy. We've had, so like, you know, like adrenaline is a chemical that you can inject into a human body and the heart beats faster and the muscles get stronger and your reflexes get quicker. Time almost slow. It's amazing. But like what happened if you're just doing that for a Friday night, you know, and then you need that to like fly or like, like you might not have that juice around. Like we're running our economy with like full of adrenaline with all of these things that kind of like the, all of our weapons of last resort to try to goose the economy We've had those things running full tilt just to, as far as I can tell, increase the stock market and make, you know, billionaires even more wealthy. Like none of this stuff is actually trickling down to the working class. So like my thing is, is like I'm not pro I don't have a problem with deficit spending. I have a problem with deficit spending if it's not going into things that will return on an investment. I think that education absolutely returns on investment. I think healthcare absolutely returns on investment. 
And the thing that's frustrating is like, I feel like I don't need to make the exact argument of how to pay for this because I can gesture to literally the entire rest of the civilized world and say that like, they all do it a little bit differently, but you can't go to Europe and find the place where you get hit. Uh, you, you break a bone and people are like, Oh Jesus Christ, should I call an ambulance? Oh my God. You know, right. or that, like that, that's, yeah. I got a lump on my shoulder. Oh my God. Should I go get that checked out or should I, yeah, maybe people have to wait in line if they pulled their groin, you know, they might have to, they might have to limp around for three months to get into a doctor. But like, if you have an emergency need an acute need, you go get that shit taken care of. America is like literally the only place on earth where people are like, God damn, why did you call an ambulance? You know, now I got $5,000 I got to pay. So like if other countries that are less economically powerful than us can do this, surely, surely we can like pick one, the Canadian way, the Australian way, the German way, the Swiss, the Swiss way, the Norwegian way, pick one of them or let each state pick their own. But like this, this idea that we can't pay for this, where the money's going to come from, it, it's ridiculous because there's no country with more money than us and everyone else does a better job at it. So I- I think the key to all of this, it boils down to this, this whole stimulus check debate. How can you not decide to just give $600 to people? Like all these waiters and waitresses, all these bartenders, these yoga instructors that have no money. Like, how is that not an easy debate? Like, hey, yes or no? Do you guys want to give these people $600? Yes or no? But we turn it into something so weird. Like when you see they're giving like $10 million to Nigeria and weird stuff like that, like these i just don't think anybody trusts any of the politicians and i think that's where i'm really struggling i don't trust nancy pelosi any more than i trust a republican i think they're all kind of something about all of them that, that, that makes me like well you're all up to something i just can't figure out which one of you is more up to something than the other and it's, it's almost getting to that point where i don't know which one of them to trust i don't you know is is mitt romney the good trust, guy for no i don't think you should trust any people or yeah I, and that's what i'm saying like but they want my vote they want me to vote for them and they can't even sit around in a room and get 200 people to go you know what we should give all these people like just like a little bit of money and let's do that in a month or we can't come with a budget you know they, they haven't come with a balanced budget before january 1st and forever but they're quick to take their vacation and go or like when you see these guys are like, you know, you guys shouldn't go on vacation. The, the governor of Texas, don't go away. This is not a time to go away. And he's doing this video from Cancun. It's like, right. dude, you, I mean, so the hypocrisy of each one of these individuals is really hard because I feel that they're all a little bit hypocritical. And, and that's where, so you ask the question, it's like, how, what makes me make that shift? Honestly, if, if one of them said something and followed through with it and just kept walking forward with their the same process, that would be huge. And I just don't see anybody doing that on either side right now. And so I would go to no, the, I, the, the Andrew Yang kind of, I mean, I, I think that middle group of people, and I said, I originally voted for Ross Perot, my first election ever. I voted for Ross Perot because he wasn't A and he wasn't B. And I think that that's the direction I'm going to go for, for the near future is somebody who wants to legalize pot and make more states rights. If that, if that works, I think that's and that's the crazy thing. Like, I don't know why I really don't know why Donald Trump did do that. Like, I like there's so many things that Donald Trump could have done to win this last election. Like, I I keep coming back to I keep coming back to like in March, if Trump had come up with a real slick commercial where you I don't know if you've heard me say this before, where it's like, you know, you've got a U.S. soldier and he's got their plate carriers on. They got their Kevlar helmets on. They got their, you know, 
uh, uh what is it they're they're uh, m14a1 blah 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 and they got their night vision stuff and you just have this merry soldiers like you know when we send our troops into harm's way we outfit them with the best protective gear possible to protect them and yep. all you have to do to protect your fellow citizen is wear this and you just have just a, a pastiche of everyday americans putting on a mask yep. and then at the yeah. end donald trump putting on the mask, on the mask. Yeah, we, the mask. Would, we we could have been yep. with new zealand chilling out and not worrying about this right now but instead it's this knee-jerk reaction of like and and but the, but the mask and so, so you go back the, the trump so like you were if you didn't wear a mask you were pro-trump if you wore a mask you were anti-trump like what a bizarre but, concept that was and, and but and, and but that's that that came from trump like i know the mask was a neutral thing like you remember in the very beginning everyone equal opportunity was panicking like it wasn't republicans yeah. buying toilet paper it was Republicans and Democrats. Like we were all run. I I was there. Like all the 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 food places were empty. All the toilet paper is gone. It was it was Trump's decision and to to to, to politicize that. Um, and you, you, a lot of things that you've expressed uh, concern with, I feel like, are kind of talking points. For example, however much money we're giving Nigeria, it's 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 still to this day less than one percent of the federal budget that goes to foreign aid. Period. So like, what For the sure. fuck are we doing arguing about this one percent? Um, the other thing it just that- should have been in a, it just should have been in a different conversation. My point was is like like I, I it's nothing's like black and white. Like hey, let's vote on a package for this, and then I said you start layering the por- the pork in there and different things. That's what I was saying. Like I just it just always seems to me like there's like there's some kind of a. Uh, uh, but but the other uh, thing that I think you're alluding uh, to is look means. over here so I can do over here. Yeah. Another thing you're alluding to, like the means testing, which, you know, that's a cons- you know, like uh, it's it's Republicans that are pushing the like, well, yeah. it's stupid to give Jeff Bezos a six hundred dollar check. Well, yeah, I guess I, I, that's that's literally a true statement. It's stupid to give Jeff Bezos a six hundred dollar check. But if it takes more than six hundred dollars to do the math and have the people figure out who to send the checks to it makes a lot more sense to just give everyone 600 fucking dollars because you know what that jeff that that check for 600 dollars is going to make jeff bezos net worth go up point oh 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 one percent it's going to actually put real money into people that might not be able to have the the and it's it's not just i mean that's one of the reasons i like just giving people money just cutting people checks for 600 dollars two thousand dollars whatever is because for the poor, it's the difference between their children eating that night and not. For the, the people that are, are right car, on the car payments and stuff, yeah. For for the people right on the border, it's the difference between you know them being able to uh uh you know afford their rent um or to be to be able to fix their car that's been about ready to blow up so they can keep working. For the middle class, it's the difference between them taking a vacation or not or buying a big screen TV. Economic activity that we want to encourage in the middle of a pandemic. And for the rich people, it doesn't even fucking matter. So why are we means testing the same thing uh, like mean, you know, whenever we like, oh, well, if you smoke pot, you can't get welfare. It's ridiculous. Like it costs literally more money to, to drug test people. And it's consistently been found that like the poorest people don't do drugs at the rate that the middle class and rich, because guess what? Drugs are fucking expensive. Not you're not money. you're not smoking an ounce of weed a month if you're poor. Where the hell are you nope. going to get it? So like all of these things that I think feel like are frustrating you my friend are are, are talking points that are coming from the right and the, you're right that the left has their own bullshit and i get fr- and as a former conservative and republican i get really frustrated stuff i see but like we live in a country where we have to make a binary choice 
um, right now. I think that's going to change in our lifetimes, but we always have to make the lesser of two evil decisions. And people hate that, but it's a fact of life. And I, I start to get real frustrated with people that continue to be like, I don't want to vote the lesser of two evils. Man, I don't either. I, I, I expected to be like in an, an like uh, uh, to have the moon colonized by I expected flying yeah. cars. That's not the world I we live in. Being an adult is taking stock of what the landscape looks like and then making the best choice based on where we're living at right now. And with with rare exception, I think that voting Democrat is probably going to be the less bad choice until now Republicans can change this. You know, they can stop. They like like what Mitt Romney said. I, I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning to watch this this bullshit going on in our capital. I, <laughs> I thought he said something really profound. It's like we need to start telling people the truth. It's hard. Yep. No one likes being told something that they you know you don't like being told that you got cancer. You don't like being told that you're losing your job. You don't like being but like if it's the truth, you need to hear it. And if we all consistently preach this thing, if we preach the truth, you know, just on a factual basis. They can start getting the country. They can start getting a party back because I would love to have two compelling choices, you know, like, well, I like this guy, you know, because because he's wanting to got this social program, this social program. But you know what? This person says he can do it and he can do it cheaper and help. I would like to have those choices, but I'm constantly presented in Ohio with a person who wants to roll back gay marriage that wants to take away a woman's choice away that wants to uh, brutalize the poor and the criminal. And then a Democrat who kind of like wants, well, wants to do your gun. You want to take away all the guns. Even and, that, and yeah. And then like, and have watered down, propo- have watered down economic proposals that like, you know, like that's the other thing I think that Republican or cons- Democrats do that. I, maybe they're going to stop doing, um, there's signs that they're they, just today that, you know, Biden's coming out and saying, look, I'm going to spend trillions of dollars in my first two years. That's just that's just the, and I'm not and I'm not hearing any of this like hand wringing about it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi saying they're going to go for the impeachment, like go ahead and do things that you have to convince people on, like like try to ask for the moon and let the other guy negotiate you down. Because right. my entire life, my entire political life going back to when I was, you know, a conservative has been Democrats triangulating and pre-negotiating, you know these deals go into the table with half of what they want. And then Republicans talk them into 20% and it needs to end because that's not what the Republicans do. So well, I think, I think, I think this COVID thing is going to change how we vote, how, and I think we're going to start seeing some changes. I think it's important because I think that it's going to change how we vote, how we get information. I think that the social media stuff banning Trump is going to change how we get information from social media. So I think the overall switch we're going to see in the next 10 years is going to be just that, you know, the, the ranked choice voting. We're going to see um, money moving around a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the first thing I did when um, Biden was uh, elected, I put all my money in green stocks up. Uh, why not, man? I mean, yeah. he's going to throw money into that. I took all my I, my 401k that from my last job. I just I put it all in the wind and, and, and turbines and and solar. And, and you want to know what? I've made more money in the last three months than my 401k made in five years because 
that's where it's going to go that's where right the money's now. Gonna that's, flow. Where, yeah. that's where it's going to flow. It's not going to flow to Boeing for a little bit. It's going to flow there. So you make those adjustments. Right. Um, but I think there's going to be some changes. I think the Andrew Yangs, I think these younger kind of more moderate minded, middle of the ground people are going to come in and make a change. There's a lot of age. There's a lot of people that when you watch, uh, you sit till four o'clock, there's a lot of old men and old ladies that were sleeping in the background who you wonder who voted for them. Um, mm. Because I would like, I'd love to see their voting base because they look really disconnected. Mm-hmm. I think that the younger people are going to start voting and people more, more connected, more understanding of what's going on in the real world. And I think we're going to get a lot of, as, as these baby boomers, I hate to be that way and say that, but as these baby boomers, these 65 to 85 year old people kind of fall out and we backfill them with these younger people, I think we're going to see the changes. I think we're going to see people more willing to have an open conversation and, and cross over party lines to make things better. That's that's my hope. And, and you need a Trump. You need a guy who's so extreme to kind of reel back the middle to someplace else. And, you know, and again, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for more middle ground people, more third party. I never, I would never have a problem voting for a Democrat if they actually said, Here's what I'm going to do, and it made sense. I'd love to do that. Um, my my hard part is is I'm not seeing it. I'm I'm only seeing, you know, it's it's abortion versus gun control. Like it's we're going to take all your money and overtax you, or like I mean, they, they never talk with the middle ground stuff. And I think you always say it best. Live live where you live. Go to your school board meetings. Vote for your your city council members. That's where it starts because that guy. When he wins city council twice in a row, becomes a mayor. When he becomes a mayor, he becomes a governor. When he becomes a governor, he, 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 you know, those are the guys that work their way up. And they're and the ones so, that have the biggest, in, like the people in your local and state governments have much larger. Like if if abortion is banned in your state, it's not going to be the president that does it or Supreme Court. It's going to be your local. Your lo- it's going to be your yep. state uh, state legislature that does it. You or, know, or a lot of this COVID stuff is count, county by county. I mean, yeah. it, it's you know if, if you if it's your county representatives who are keeping the school open or not open. Right. It's your county representatives who are saying, "Hey, we want everybody to wear a mask in the Circle K." Uh, But that's the other frustrating thing is that like our democratic system requires, uh, you know, the reason that democracy never worked in the Middle Ages is because 97 percent of the people were illiterate and, you know, couldn't read, couldn't be educated, were not equipped uh, culturally or educationally to make decisions for themselves. We're going to back our door away into that situation with the way we've let the education system, the way we've let I mean, I, I, I I, like we need a better class of electorate and, and the only way that I know how to make that happen is to educate people and chill them out a little bit. And I think the way to do that is essentially just, Hey, we need, we need a social democracy in the style of most European countries. And we need to get the education system fixed and we need to let that percolate for about 30 years. And then we'll have the country. I think that we think we can be, but, uh, I also think that like, um, Another thing I go back to, like, uh, we're, we've talked a lot of both sides here and you've bemoaned, like, you know, the lack of journalism. We don't have those Walter Cronkites that we can trust. I mean, do you find have you done any reading into this and about like the, the, the death of the fairness doctrine? Because it feels like um, a lot of the stuff we're dealing with with Fox News and we've seen it metastasize in the OAN and things like that were a scheme by conservatives to be like, you know what? We never want Watergate in Vietnam to happen to us again. We want a voice, not a neutral, fair, impartial voice, because their own God, 
that's the thing throughout the whole Vietnam War, their own Department of Defense reports were saying we shouldn't be here. We're losing this. This is bad. Right. There's no way out with with honor or dignity or any kind of strategic objectives. What are we doing? And yet our politicians would lie to us for for over a decade, multiple this over a span of multiple decades, over multiple administrations, Kennedy administration, Nixon administration, Johnson administration, bipartisan bullshitting the American people. Uh, and the only way we got out of that is reporting like that stuff would yep. leak. That stuff would get out. Well, those conservatives saw that happen. They're like, we never want this to happen again. So let's attack the fairness doctrine. Once we get the fairness doctrine out, we're going to we're going to run these, uh, you know, demagogues on AM radio. We're going to get our news, some newspapers put in place. We're going to get TV. We're going to get, uh, you know, Fox News. What do you think is number one? That was all like coming from the right wing. And also, like, how do we get back to that? Like, I know people are skeptical of state run media, but I also think it's starting to get out into people's consciousness that, like, you know, you want the straight dope PBS and the BBC are the gold standards for like fair. And you, you give you take the government and you give a, a group that you vet uh, that you respect money and then you put no entanglements or corporate uh, uh, strings on that and you let them tell people the truth. And I think we might need something like that. We might need an American broadcasting corporation that in a group in a group like that in the last eight months that says, here are the real facts about masks. Here's the real facts about distancing. Here's the real numbers. Yeah. And everything you hear on all these other places is not real. This is the real number. And, 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 and get that out. I would have made a huge difference because we had three different TV stations and five different people giving eight different types of versions of right. what are we supposed to be doing? And so I agree. I think that, I think that like, you know, getting a group of, you know, like a tactical group of the best of the best journalists who are real. I mean, if you ever hear um, those old interviews of like Ted Koppel and all those guys and they're like, you know, there was pride in what mm-hmm. they they researched. They felt bad when they made a mistake or they used a bad source. Like sure. it, it hurt them. It was their reputation, to, yeah, right. And, and that's and, all and, they and had. Those seven, those six o'clock news guys or six thirty news guys that came on like Nightline and all that, like they lived for being right and and scooping yeah. the story and everything. And and I don't think like you know we had Hunter Biden has this, or we find out that Trump has that, and. It kind of comes out and it just it just gets within a few hours and they just they they bombard it with information so you never know what is or isn't real and then it's done and yeah. and then we move on. It's so yeah, I, I think that something like that would be a necessity, I think. And again, just a, a information source that we can all trust. I don't I don't know any one place. If you ever if you told me I spent an hour this morning trying to fact check how did Trump actually say what did Trump say for the second term articles of impeachment? I really can't even figure out what he actually said because it's not like every website has a different take on it. And it's all like, generally speaking. It's like, wow, I, I don't know where I could actually find this information. I went right to the articles of impeachment and even that's vague. So yeah. it's just so hard for people, specifically people who aren't technically savvy, which like you said, less educated, less things to, available to them, less understanding of social media. All they get is the, the 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 memes from Russia, and, and that's how they make their decision. And and it, that's a and crazy it is hard. way to choose things. Like, like I I laid this out in my thought process in that like episode. I forget it's something like warlocks from the ninth circle of hell. But like it is. I mean, I like doing it, and I think it's fun. But like just actually running down the dialogue tree. Oh, this person said that thing. Okay, what does this other person say? Oh, what does that person say? Who's got the sources? Do these sources reputable? 
it takes a while. Um, and then most people just don't have the time or patience or the inclination to do that. Like, I'm not saying that I, uh, I'm, I'm a super citizen for doing that. So it's just like, I've always been kind of interested in these kind of things and politics and history. And I, I find it, um, you know, some people like reading conspiracy theories. I like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, I guess those are both people are doing the same thing. It's just one person's going about it wrong. Um, I, I, but I, I, I think that like, that's the thing that I'm surprised. Like I, I can't remember if I've said this out loud before, uh, but I've been thinking the last few weeks that what I'd really like to see coming out of the Biden administration is some kind of like, uh, there's a lot of people doing good work on podcasts and YouTube um, yeah. that, that actually go and be like, what are the things that people are talking about right now? Let's get to the bottom of it and come up with like what's really happening. What if you got the best and brightest of all those people and you formed a department that just start like there's going to be a, officially run by the United States government YouTube channel where they say, here's the issue of the day. What really happened and cite sources and do good journalism. Like, I don't think that um, the the American president has made effective use of the bully pulpit going back generations. You know, they do like those press releases, those snippets, those sound bites, but like an actual. And the thing is, I think that would be very popular, you know, like a, like a, an hour show each week where people just, have a real debate, not this bullshit stuff that you see on traditional media and presidential debates, but an actual like, you know, principled conversation about the subject that's not trying and, to score and, points and do emotional appeals, but like kind of like what we're talking right, uh, right, or right have, now. Or, or, have, or have two senators have an open conversation about what they really see in something and, and then air that and have, you know, have fireside chats. There should be a fireside chat podcast where, you know, just like Roosevelt, Biden would sit down at night and give you like a 15 minute look. Here's what I'm trying to get done. Here's what I got done this week. Here's what I got done this week. I'm struggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and or, you know, there's, like you said, this is a form of media that's new and, and they don't use it at all. They, they almost ignore it. And again, it's, they can do it privately or they can do it publicly, but like something where they have the experts or the surgeon general only get the, the information he gives out real information, but mm-hmm. one source. And I think there's, that's, this is, you're right. This is an opportunity. I unfortunately don't think that with the age of this particular president, that he's going to, he's going to put the energy into it. Now, if something happens to him, I think the vice president would definitely embrace that kind of thing, which is, a, you know, a whole nother thing that, you know, her interaction could be huge because she mm-hmm. is younger and more, you know, she understands this stuff a little bit better. So, sure. but yeah, I think having like, having like a podcast or a YouTube czar kind of person, not to, to get back into, you know, Obama always had the, the czar for everything, but right. that really could spearhead that would be enormous because there are good people. There's, there's great, um, and, uh, uh, virus uh, doctors that talk about COVID that if you, if you listen to TWIV is one of them, great information. Johns Hopkins has a really great podcast with information, but just hard to find it across the board. If you could pull somebody from each of those walks of life and put them in and explain it, it'd be an uphill battle because everyone's going to not trust them. But what you got to do is trust that like, you got to have a track record and like when you're wrong, admit it. And like, you know, like yeah. maybe, uh, Every quarter, you you instead of doing an hour, the issue to jurors like, hey, here's like kind of like MythBusters did, like, yep. hey, let's go go back and see where we fucked up, and we had other people say, give us the perspectives, and here's the, you build up that track record of trust with people that like, hey, you're gonna we're gonna tell you the truth the best of your ability, and when we're wrong, we're gonna come back and and talk about what how we're being wrong, 
But or, or, or when you're wrong, learn why you made it. or say, hey, you know, a month later, we did figure out that was wrong. And here's what we miscalculated. Like admit you miscalculated. I think the thing that people hated about Trump is he was an unapologetic politician. I always said that they're all liars, but he was unapologetic about lying. I think that really upset people. And I think people want everybody to apologize yeah. and say, you know what? I made a mistake here. I, 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 maybe I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. And I think that would go a long way. And we could actually, like I said, we don't trust anything. I don't try, I trust nothing I see on, on TV anymore. And it's only going to get worse as, you know, technology increases. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I, it's, uh, it's interesting to talk to you right now. And you're kind of like, uh, uh, you're because like you remind me a lot of where I was 10 years ago. And I don't, I'm not saying that you'll slide all the way. Cause I've, I've gone pretty far left, but, uh, oh, yeah, I just, it's just all about growing my beard, I guess. <laughs> It's all it's all just about, um, like I said, like, you know, what are the things that are really irritating you and where does that irritation come from? Because you're right. You're never going to find a perfect politician, especially in a two party system. But like if the things and if, if the things in the economy and the media and stuff like that are and also it's like as far as like where we're paying it from or where we're where we're going to pay for this from. I just as a matter of course, like I, I will make the arguments like I did a whole podcast on like how Medicare for all could potentially save us a lot of money. Um, I. But if you don't I, trust I, I, those numbers, trust the fact that there are countries all over the world doing these things smaller, less, uh, less, less economies of scale, and they're doing it successfully. And they've been doing it for multiple generations now. Uh, I, why not I us? I, I think another little piece for me specifically to to sum it up for me specifically is I'm not poor and I'm not rich, right? And I don't think, and, and so if I'm not rich. I'm not a Republican. And if I'm not poor, I'm not a Democrat. I sit in the middle on my $80,000 job with my $80,000 shit, my $80,000 life. So I don't, I'm not starving. You're right I'm there at the, like the $75,000. Like, right. And I know what it's like to, like, cause I, I'm not quite there n- anymore. Cause I, I, I don't even know if that's I, a real number. Poly- I don't know. I don't know. I'm no. just like anybody in that, that yeah, middle, yeah, yeah. I don't feel anybody represents us. We're kind of like the, and that's a, well, that's a big door, number too. Class. Like yeah, if you're like anywhere between number. like 80 to 200, $300,000, you can kind of feel, and I feel like I, when I talk to my, uh, my buddy, real public, and I, I, what I think I hear you saying is, um, you want life to be better, but you're afraid to lose what you got. And I think that's what real Republican is. What really affra- is afraid. Cause he's like, if he's really honest, he's got a pretty good setup and he, he'd like for it to be better would he like for it to be less homeless people in the world would he like for families to not have to worry about feeding their kids with the educate he would like for those things to happen but he's skeptical that you can give everyone that without taking without making his life worse right and and, or, I think or they don't represent me like they're the democrats really really want to make sure poor people have health insurance i have health insurance so mm-hmm. i mean the argument really you're not if you don't make it cheaper, you're just gonna be the same for me. Well, why would I back that? Or on the other, you know, on the other side of this, it, the, the tax cuts over two hundred thousand dollars don't do me any good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like I, giving a business a, a tax break doesn't do me any good. I'm not, a, you know, so I I feel like it, I I kind of like I that's why I was saying I float in the middle. I'm in the middle because none of them really impacts me. They really don't care if I buy a new jacket or not. Yeah, because I, I already I have could. four. With, uh, I need to figure out a rhetorically an answer to this because like I the, the thing that comes off my top of my head is like even if your life doesn't measurably get better if poor people's le- me- uh, life yeah. gets better it's going to make your life better because most of the things that bad happen to you in your day to day life like a person accosting you on the street someone breaking into your car something some someone leaving needles on your uh, sidewalk or taking a shit on it 
is coming from poor people, (laughs) coming from people that have been left behind in society. Conversely, rich people piling up money like I I have this argument where people think that's neutral, but I just can't believe that if we have humans that have a trillion dollars, like that's what's going to happen in our lifetimes if we don't stop it right now. I can't believe that's good. I cannot believe that having a handful of individuals controlling 50 percent of the economy in this country is good. Like we're backing our way into like worse than feudalism, like old, like like the pharaohs of old blush at this kind of like power that they have. So like people in the middle, that's the argument. Your life will kind of stay the same. Maybe things will get cheaper. Maybe, but you're the, the the people that are causing problems on the bottom are going to be uplifted to where they have a stake and they have some pride of ownership and they have, uh, you know, like they they they're bought the system no longer something that presses them. They want to tear down. It's something that helps them and they want to maintain. And the rich people just need to be brought back to earth a little bit. I'm not saying. I'm not saying we. I'm not saying we 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 bring them back to earth like the fucking uh, asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Just like. A little, a little bit, a little bring them from the cloud city to like the, you know, top floor of the penthouse or something like that's that's from the, from the cloud city to where the Ewoks are yeah. up in the upper, the upper tier of the, of the, the forest. Um, but I think, I think you're right. And as well said, and maybe we can't do anything about the top end. Maybe that's just something we can't touch, but I think you're right. I think it's important that we try to figure out a way to help the people who are below us, slightly below or way below. And, you know, I guess if everybody's in the middle and we and we close that bottom gap, that's probably the best way to do it. And a better if if you vote with your conscience on that level, I think that that's where you make the very a, a really finite, a finite argument that those are the that's the people who are going to help that group. And that's definitely something that's worth supporting because they're the people who they are the waitresses at. Waffle House. They are yeah. the, the the guy who who you know runs that hose at the front of your car when you go to the car wash. Like those are those people that really genuinely you know they don't have what I have. They're standing outside in the cold day running a hose at a car wash. That's a person who probably needs something more than I do. And I guess the best way to view that is they're probably going to need it way more than giving another tax break to a business mm-hmm. or or small. You know, the, the, you know give, I think the Democrats really just support small businesses more specifically. So. And it does seem like that, like, we also need to get out there that, like, every tax cut to the wealthy is just going to increase the stock market. Um, And it's it that that's not really I don't know how much utility that gets us as a as an economy over the uh, at the whole. Whereas, like, every well, dollar no, that you give to a poor person is going to be spent on the economy. Well, no point blank poor people period. are in the stock market at all. So zero point zero percent of, of Americans. Poor, yeah. Yeah. Right, they, they're, not, they're not even playing in it. Whereas if you give a poor person a dollar, they're, they're going to have to, they don't have the dollars to hang on to. They're going to have to spend in the economy. And that does help literally everyone, you know, right, even, and, the, and even the rich people, because their companies are the ones that they're just giving the dollars to. So, and I, you know, there's another thing, cause like I, I every once in a while I get, I get a point where I, I talked to that Bastiat guy and he, yeah. he hit me with the whole, like, uh, well, do you know that like, there's actually more per capita billionaires in Norway than there are in the United States in which is, you know, I'm an evidence-based guy that tells me that like, I still think that massive wealth in economy is a problem, but it shows that you can structure a society where you do have massive wealth inequality and yet the standard of living is so much better. So like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe bringing down the billionaire class isn't the most thing I should be most in, uh, in, in, uh, passionate about. Maybe I just need to make sure that we have enough money to pay for the social programs to help people. And then if there's still bit imbalances in the, in, in the economy and in our political structure, we can address them there. But like, yeah, 
Um, then you get, but then you get, you do get the Gates who do have the Gate Foundation. You do get Elon, who's just clearly out of his. I mean, he's pouring money into technology that helps everybody. I mean, so some of them are doing the right thing. I mean, they they are. Um, so you know, they're not all horrible. They're just not helping. I mean, they're not actively helping. They're passively. And I also keep with- coming back to like we are living in a really like if you talk on a human history time. I, I just I, I just saw this guy, uh, someone on Twitter say today that, like, uh, you know, I was raised as a libertarian and I don't expect that if I get a broken arm that anyone should give a damn about me. And I'm like, do you realize how weird that is? That, like, if you went 500 years ago and you went to the, uh, any random village in Europe or Africa or in, in, in North America, Indian, African, European, and you said one of your people just broke their leg and they're not going to be able to work for six weeks. How many the, the, the villages vote? Fuck them. Take them outside the village. Let the jackals. No, you would take care of this person because they're your people. And, and, and if everyone lived like that, we grew up to be social animals. We grew up to one of we grew up to work. To, our, our evolutionary advantage was our ability to work together. Uh, we don't have claws. We don't have sharp teeth. We don't have the strength of the bear, the eyesight of the hawk. What we do have is big brains and the ability to have empathy and work with people. And since the Industrial Revolution, we have been separated from each other. And we've been told this myth of like individuals can get it done. And that's one of the things I have like, yeah, Bill Gates is doing a lot of great things. Elon Musk is, too. But I am skeptical of whether one person with fantastic wealth can do it as bad as good as a million people with moderate wealth. because. There's just some kind of synergy in having people, you know, uh, not one person getting getting to, to have their way and, you know, one person deciding how best to solve AIDS in Africa or malaria in Africa. And and we, we I'm glad those people are stepping forward, just like I'm you know appreciative of back when we had the Gilded Age, you know, you had the Rockefellers every once in a while building subways for people. But on the other yep. hand, I keep thinking, like, you know, we have a system where we can elect people, divvy up money and, and do public works, you know, like, do we really believe? Do we really believe in democracy or don't we? Do we really believe that our strength is working together or don't we? And I do. And I would like to see. And, and, and to your point about seeing having Democrats getting shit done. I agree. There's been this class of Democrat that has let that has been dominating the conversation in my entire life. Though it's like if they give people money, there's got to be so many strings attached. Uh, you got to own a business in a, in a historically minority uh, neighborhood and you got to make between 50000 and $53,000 and you have to have three kids and a dog. Yeah. And if that you can get the $250 tax uh, uh, write off, not credit tax write off like that stuff is such horseshit. We yeah. just we the, the Democrats need to be bold and get some things done. And they've got it seems like uh, miraculously. They're going to have two years of a, a, at least of a very favorable political climate. Um, hopefully a stock market doesn't crash. Hopefully don't get into a world war. Hopefully people don't continue to kidnap, you know, like try to take the capitals hostage. But like, yeah. get some shit done. Do help people, you know, like once once yep. the Democrats got ACA, it's as flawed as it is. You, it's, they're never going to get you're never going to get rid of it because yeah. it helps people. If we get a public. The second we get a public option, I'm canceling my private health insurance and I'm putting all bald move on it. Not me, but me and me and Jim, because right. it's a better deal for us, you know, and our taxes might raise a couple percentage points. But again, we are paying twenty five hundred dollars a month for insurance last year. We're now paying 
third wait, whatever eight hundred dollars on that is we're we're paying thirty four hundred dollars. I'm not getting any more benefit. My doctor didn't get better. I'm not getting my 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 prescriptions aren't cheaper. I'm just really tired of seeing the whole rest of the world figure this shit out. And us Americans can't for some crazy reason. And the the Democrats got to get shit done. And and they have they have two years. And, and, you know, and Trump had two years where he controlled everything and got nothing done. I mean, he was still too divided internally. So they have. Well, they did get something done, didn't they, BJ? They got two trillion dollars to the wealthy. Because that right. was what's important to them. So, well, like, he was saying, yeah, you're, that's a good point. You're, that's a good and, point. And when Obama had control of the government, what did he do? He got the largest socialized medicine program in this country that's ever seen, and it was watered down. It was because he spent like 18 months of it trying to cajole Republicans to be happy with it. And if he just rammed through a public option and gotten it done, we'd probably be in a better off. But like, I look at what what. What did the last administration do? What was their was their highest priority and was taking care of people? This administration's highest priority was getting was feathering the beds of rich people and erecting walls in this country to keep the keep uh, the poor and huddled masses out. And, you know, that's that's a whole immigration is a big conversation. But point blank period, that was the objective and the stuff that was important to them. None of that shit made a goddamn difference to me. Nope. It, it didn't impact me. Well, you and I living, you know, north, not on the border town. It did not impact you. Cincinnati, Chile is no better or worse due to the number of people who came across the border. My, my, my trips to Skyline, Chile are my highlights of my trips to Cincinnati. Just bowls and bowls of some kind of cheese and ketchup. I I hate Cincinnati chili, so you're you're buttering up the wrong wrong side of the toast on this one. But uh, I do. No, we pre- no, we yeah. make it a trip, and then we all get a stomachache, and we all go, "Why do we do that?" Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It looks like diarrhea. Tastes like diarrhea. Causes diarrhea. Go figure. Um, but the wall. Uh, there goes all my Cincinnati it. audience, though. But the wall, but the wall didn't impact anybody who 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 lived where you live or where I live, and all. And that. it didn't it, impact it anybody ever because it was like what a couple hundred miles that they actually built new, and a lot and of that yeah, was I re- think refurbishing. Like it really was the biggest boondoggle. Um, but it worked because again, like these, like they, I said, these talking points. Like every, I mean, I guess that's your challenge the next couple of years is like pay attention to talking points. Uh, which side has got them? Which side's got the facts? And who's who's trying to take care of people? And what side? is is not trying to take care of people um well, i'm, I'm st- i still re-listen to your your podcast about the um norway and the, the uh the, that, that blew my mind i had listened like three times to social to that, fund, so yeah yeah oh my god that was so deep but i mean there's something in there that i think that you know if, if they put some thought into that. There's got to be a way to to, to to kind of get that stuff going here, too. I mean, there's yeah. so much we can do. If Norway doable, can do it, if doable. Alaska can do it, why yeah, can't Alaska's we do it? Alaska's a great example. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, mean, I do think there needs to be a little bit more leadership from states, too. Because, like, you know, I think in the last four years, I've had a brand new appreciation for federalism. I'm yep. glad that Trump couldn't run Ohio the way he wanted to run the rest of the, the, the country. I'm glad that we had places we're trying to do things, even though, especially with the pandemic, it's kind of tough when you're trying to do things right. And Kentucky across the border isn't. But like, yep. I do think that places like New York and California, if the federal government doesn't get it done, you guys need to figure out education and healthcare and kind of be that laboratory of democracy. Start being bold. Um, because. Yeah, like like start like Texas. You you got a bunch of Gulf oil wealth. Start to, yeah. instead of letting corporations have all that. That's the people's money. 
That's the people's land. It's the people's it's ocean. Be- it's for damn sure the people's oil. If anyone owns it, we all own it. So why the hell don't we all benefit from it? And we got to find programs to make that shit happen or else we're going to live, you know, a hundred years from now, we're all going to be automated out of jobs. We're all going to have nothing. And then what, you know, like what happens when capitalism doesn't need labor anymore? It honestly keeps me up at night because I've, I've read science fiction books that suggest that nothing good is going to happen, you know? So Uh, I don't want a dystopia. I want a utopia if I can get it. Yeah, it, it's uh, nice. Like I said, it's it's the idea of us all working together to get to something important. I I, I think that like so with social media being what it is, I think there's chances. I think podcasts help too. I think podcasts, well, there's starting to be too many now. It's starting to get too watered down. Sure. I mean, it, it is. And there's a lot of grifter. I mean, there's a lot of grifting yep. where people like uh, it's vi- it's boy. You can make a lot of money telling people that it. All you got to do is uh, eat the rich and uh guillotine them guillotine them and take all their money and uh then the world would be a better place um it's a it's there's a lot of money in telling people that climate change isn't real and that you're a patriot and you all you got to do is is love guns and jesus and everything's going to turn out it's really hard to actually come up with good answers and you got to compete in the marketplace with the people telling you selling essentially blowjobs unicorns and rainbows of either side so it's yeah, that's and it's 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 tough. It's re- it's really. Th- I, I I mean, I see some of the podcasts that get a hundred thousand dollars a month, and you know, for for support. And I think, good Christ, what a waste! You know, they're not really educating. They're not doing anything but like whipping people into a different type of frenzy. So well, they're just being like the poor man's Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he's just spouting off something over and over again until it's oh, you know, yeah. and, and everybody just follows along because they always have. You know, like I said, meanwhile, then you have your little podcaster. You have good guests. You have you have good points. You play both right. sides fairly. Uh, it just that's the stuff that really makes a difference. Yeah, and some people think like, oh, you know, social media is going to be the death of us. But I keep I, this is something I, I want to talk about more in 2021. I'm, I'm researching into the period of yellow journalism. We've gone through a period of time where wealthy corporations, you know, backed by the richest people that ever, you know, the oil barons, the railroad yep. tycoons bought newspapers and everyone thought that if something was in print, it must be true. Must so be they true. just print. They just printed whatever the fuck they wanted people to think we've gone through. It is far more centralized, far more entrenched with much social media compared to that kind of stuff is an easy problem to regulate and tackle. We just haven't had the political will to do it yet. And I think or, or the, with the storm of the capital, of the and, yeah, yeah, with yeah, the now yeah. now that the people are like, we got to do something, and it's not just America. We've seen like I, I um, if you do the research on like what Facebook has done to like elections in India, in Indonesia, in the Middle East, it's ten times worse because they don't have the institutions and the background of like you know the democratic institutions to like fight it to the extent that the the, the America has, and I don't think America's done a great job. But like, you know, for what it's worth, our institutions have held, you know, have have yeah. kept the worst from happening so far. Uh, we got it. Yeah, we got We got to do something about it. We can't treat like everyone's opinion as if it has equal worth. You know, there's got to be some trusted uh, and maybe not even like one single trusted source, but, you know, a, a group, a body of people that you can trust, conservative and liberal um that that kind of get together and synthesize a version of the truth like i said the, the walter cronkites whatever we got to get back to something where we can all agree that like here's the problem accurately described how are we going to solve it because right now we can't even agree on what the nature of the problems are 
Uh, no, we have no idea. We have no idea what the problem is to assign it, an answer to it. So there'll be time, and I said I think it's a good time. I think we're 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 on the edge of a lot of change, and that's all we can do is hope for hope for things to get better, right? Yeah. Well, hey, BJ, I know you're up against a deadline. I'm actually up against a deadline. We've gone a little bit over, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, maybe we can talk. I, I, I want to have more of these conversations kind of in the future, uh, make it more of a, a recurring kind of segment. Uh, maybe we can talk again. I'm always here. Like I said, we, you know, I listen. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of everything you guys are doing right now. I, you know, I, I love the spin even put on, you know, with the with the with the uh, Star Trek kind of feel to it. It's like, you know, there's a it, that makes sense. It makes sense. And, and I think uh, we can all we get a lot of us like we all have the same heroes or at least like if, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Harry, Harry Potter is is Luke Skywalker is Jack Ryan. They're all the same. They're all the same guy and gal. We just need to realize that and realize what makes them heroic and what makes people villains. And right now we're kind of all mixed up on that. So. Good luck in South Carolina. Tear some of those traitor flags down for me, okay? They're the end of our street, I promise. I swear, if I ever lived to Florida, I'd probably get arrested because like, I just keep thinking every time I drive by, man, five minutes in an angle grinder, and I'd have that thing down. <laughs> but hey, you know, there, probably, probably should do it democratically, huh? <laughs> well, I said, well, wait, again, and most of them, they're, they're going to do this until you, you work that out. Like it's going to work out of the, you know, their kids yeah. don't feel that way. The, you know, my kids go to school with their kids. They're like, yeah, my dad's kind of weird about that. And it's like, you know, so it'll go away over time. It just, it does know, feel like we're winning. Only, we, we've won the urban centers. We're winning the suburbs, the, the rural, like, and then we just have to take care of the people in the rural areas because they're the ones that are the most under, you know, tend to be some of the most underserved. So. Remember, we're only two generations away from some people who actually lived in some of that stuff. Only yeah. two generations. So, you know, it, it's not On both like sides. It, you've got it's, people that it's went through that. Jim Crow and people that went yep. that there were the ones maintaining Jim Crow. And we're all living in this country. It's crazy. So, you know, as they go away, I think you're going to see the mindset again. That third generation, that next group that comes through is going to have no connection, like way less of a connection. You know, they'll never see the general lake. The next generation will never see the General Lee as a car. That's true. All. You know, so they'll never have any connection to Georgia and the flag and the orange car. And, I mean, and your hate of Dodges. Uh, none of that will. <laughs> but I mean, they won't have that. They won't have. The, they won't have the states where they fly it over the over the capital. They won't have the 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 sons of the revolution the way we saw it or the way yeah. it was in our generation. So you know. It's one more generation removed, so it should get better. Uh, it's just gonna, you know, it's gonna take time. And like I said the influx of northerners to this area is dramatically changing things because mm -hmm. people are saying something out loud like that shouldn't be at the end of our street. So and you, know, you, you are know that's what I'm that. saying. Like in terms of economic, like uh, cost of living and geography, there's places that are beautiful in the South and the Midwest. And like I think that a lot of people that are miserable in California and Seattle would do very well in some of these Midwestern towns and Southern towns. There's a little yep. bit of work to do in the but you know what? You can do it. Working together, making the arguments, and like instead of paying a million dollars for a 1200 square foot home, you can pay eighty thousand for that out here. And that's gonna I I do think the economic migrations there's been great yep. migrations all throughout this country's history we might be in for another one in the 21st century and now you don't have to and now you don't have to work where you live anymore they fixed right. it, COVID fixed it. so that. i can, so now i can i can if i want to go to colorado or i want to go to cincinnati i can work in cincinnati my boss doesn't care where i work as long as these monitors are hooked up on them, i mm -hmm. clock at eight o'clock 
they don't care. So, I mean, that changes that as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, keep in touch. Obviously, uh, I'm a huge fan of everything you guys do, uh, both you and Jim. And I feel I'm kind of sometimes part of the family. So, well, um, we try to make people feel that way. So, but yeah, I got, they, my, card. I got my card right here, actually. You got, got your my, Christmas uh, card? <laughs> I got my Merry Christmas the COVID, card right the COVID here. Christmas? Well, hey, I appreciate um, you coming on. Uh, thanks, because like I, I made his offer. A lot of people, a lot of people are shy. They think that I want to be mean to them or tough to them. Um, you know, like I say, as long as you're not like the only thing that I get, the only people I mean to are the people who are coming here and be like, oh, let me tell you about these black people. Like yeah. you, that's that. I don't, I can't logic you out of a situation that logic you into. But like you know, if you got, if you just, you got reasonable questions and stuff. I, I like having those conversations. I talk. I'm surrounded by conservative folks. Most people in my mm-hmm. family are conservative folks. I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a maniac looking to embarrass people. I want to, I want to hopefully change people's minds. So thanks for and listening. You, I appreciate you, it. And you brought up great points too, that, that, you know, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to go sit tonight and go, man, that was a good idea. He had a valid point. The bottom is who we got to support. And I'll, I'll, I mean, and that's, that'll be my talking point for the night. All right. Well, good All luck. Right. Good luck in South Carolina and uh, have a great night, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. Yep. See ya. All right, bye. So there you go. Now, at the end of this, you might be like, well, hey, Ron, you're cheating. You've got this guy who's already kind of a fan of your work. Although, to be fair, hasn't been a fan of my politics. So there's already some kind of measure of, 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 of affection and respect there to build off on this conversation. But, you know, that's why I tell people to start, you know, with your friends, your neighbors, your family. Start with people who do have a baseline of love and respect. There's some kind of there there in the relationship. I see so many people spending so much time dunking on anonymous dipshits on the internet or well-funded goons or politicians with millions of followers being the thousandth person to comment to tell them they're a piece of shit or whatever. And you know what? Hell, that's fun. It's diverting. And if you enjoy it, I'm not saying you got to give it up, right? But you got to know that it is the junk food of political discourse. And if that's all you're eating, don't be surprised if it turns out to be unhealthy in the long term. On the other hand, You know, also, if you're one of those types and I know you exist out there, that you're truly alone on an ideological island and you found yourself with super blue politics in a deep red place or you're facing outright animosity or hostility from friends and family and and neighbors. I'm not trying to tell you you need to dig yourself deeper and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for not being able to do the impossible in a tough spot. You know, that's that's not what I'm about. I I don't want to guilt. I don't want to shame anybody. But if you got some people that you think you might be able to move, give, give it a whirl. You know, if all else fails, you can always fall back on, I don't know. I'm not sure. You've given me a lot to think about. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I'm going to have to look into that and follow up on that. And you'll find through this process that you're going to learn and you grow. Uh, you're going to have a better appreciation for people's pain points and motivations. You're going to learn uh, about honesty and humility Uh, And that's going to better inform your politics. It's going to give you a better insight on how you can help out your town, your city, your state, uh, because that's that's what we need to be doing. And finally, if you are one of the conservatives that's listening to the show and you want to have a conversation with me, please reach out. Like I said, I'm not here to shame or humiliate people. It's, It's not what I do. It took me 30 years to work my way out of like a Looney Tunes cult. You know, I that experience is always fresh in my mind and, and I'm not looking to throw bricks from my glass house here. Right. I, I just think that we can do better in this country and we can do better across the world 
I'm deeply unsure, especially the more uh, socialist my politics go. I get shakier and shakier on the grounds. One of the reasons I'm not a revolutionary, more of a reformer, right? But I just want to find the best solutions that will help the most people that's supported by the best evidence and the best practical experience as possible and as as quick as possible. So three right turns. That's a three RT at swizzbold.com is how you get in touch with me. Leave feedback, whatever. I really enjoyed our conversation with BJ again. Uh, appreciate for him, uh, him for reaching out, be willing to talk with me. Uh, I think we found some common ground at the end. I think you, you heard that, but you know, also it wouldn't surprise or disappoint me after further reflection and thought that he had more doubts, you know, maybe helping out the less fortunate still doesn't seem like a winning strategy, especially if it's at his expense, right? Especially when he hears things that the Democrats are doing that might seem foolish or stupid because, you know, God knows they're going to fuck up all kinds of things, big and small. It's 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 not going to be necessarily a smooth ride the next two years, the next four years, because, again, this is just one conversation. Convincing people and building support and bridges, making things better. It's a long term proposition, and we can't ever forget that. But I do I do hope you appreciated the conversation, too. Uh, by the way, if you want more, if you want an even longer conversation with even more extreme opinions, and see how I do in that environment, you might want to check out my recent appearance on the Sunday night version of the Hippie Dippy podcast panel. I was joined by two communists, uh, one Second Amendment, all lives matter type, uh, another social Democrat, uh, two other guys with some kind of center right or, or maybe right wing. Uh, we debated killing the filibuster, the threat of white supremacist groups, diversity training, wealth taxes, and the cancellation of Pepe Le Pew. So, and you might think that it would be just a wild WWE type of like, uh, you know, barroom brawl, but I thought the moderator's pretty good and things only got spicy once or twice in the whole three plus hour conversation. So there's lots more of that and you can find it all archived over at youtube.com slash swizzbold. And in, in general, if you appreciate what I'm trying to do here with three right turns, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash swizzbold. Many benefits of joining. It's including access to our monthly live streams where me, my producer, Jim, and uh, One Weird Tricks uh, co-host Cecily discuss politics and culture live with their audience. Heck, you might even be able to suggest a topic or interact with us live. Speaking of, the live stream uh, for March is taking place uh, Wednesday, March 24th at 8 p.m. Sign up now and get instant access to the upcoming March stream, as well as a year and a half of existing streams and bonus content. Again, check out patreon.com slash to give us your support. And at this time, I'd like to acknowledge our Fred Level supporters. Special thanks goes out to Arvin Rao, Laura L., Jordan Hoyt, George Pieperdell, Jason M. Kluge, James Taylor, Greg Rasp, Robert Bullock, Mark Hahn, Brandon DeVito, Angela Morano, Doug Campen, Kira, Jason Schoolcraft, Jared Harrelman, Frederick Hurley, Sarah McDonald, Dave Satterley, Brian Rasmussen, Anoka Jung, and Slava Kesreliovic. I really appreciate your support and appreciation. And that's going to be it for this week's Three Right Turns. I encourage you to sub to the Swiss Bold channel on YouTube if you haven't already to find out about the latest in live streams, debate panels, content analysis, and other things I'm getting up to over there. And until next time, if at all possible, keep those lines of communication open, maybe even lay some new ones down. I'll see you soon. <laughs>